Many people feel it's good to lock your doors. And in these days, well, many feel that it wouldn't be safe going out in public without a mask on. And yet others need to arm their security system at night in order to sleep. But Barbara Rainey says, there's one place that we might not be securing, and it's probably doing more harm than good. I was hypervigilant on the few screens we had, the TV screen and then the computer screen. I was just hypervigilant. Um, I was even hypervigilant about the music my kids listened to because there are messages that come in that can be dangerous messages that can challenge our safety and that can make us feel insecure, threatened, all kinds of things. And we need to guard against those as much as we guard against physical harm that our, our families might run into. It's a statement of the value of home. It's supposed to be a safe place. So how are you dealing with screens and the messages they bring? We're going to talk about being safe at home with Barbara Rainey on this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. You know, we live in a season where we are spending a lot more time in our houses, in our homes. Now, I want you to sit and ponder, what does that mean to you? Watching TV, playing on your phone, playing with your kids, reading a book, working. You know, home is a place to eat your meals. It's a place that you sleep, a place you relax. It's the place your family gathers. But it is more. It's a place of safety. Recently, I was reading an article by Barbara Rainey, and she wrote about three ways to make your home safe. And you know, I had never taken the time to think of my home as safe. Remember when we were kids and that first sleepover, you were so excited to go, but at 9.30, your friend's mom had to call your dad to come pick you up because it wasn't home and you didn't feel safe. There's an element of safety in our homes for most of us. You know, this thought, it just so intrigued me. So I asked Barbara to come and help us understand what being safe at home means in today's world. Here's Barbara. Well, I realized as as this quarantine happened, that the pandemic came and people started staying home, that that there's so much more to the concept of home than we realize. I think we've been so busy in past dec- in the past decade um, or more that we have begun to think of home as just a refueling station. Mm. And we don't really think of it, I don't believe, in the way God thinks of it. And I think the pandemic forced us to see home as a different kind of place than we were used to thinking about it. And so I think God intends for home, um, that place where we live, and everybody has a home. Even the homeless have homes. They make cardboard box homes. They make little tent cities. Everybody creates home, even if it isn't four walls or two-story or if it's an apartment. Everybody creates home, and I think it's because we were made for home. And so I think the whole idea of being safe at home is what we are longing for. And I think the pandemic reminded us of that 
just as 9-11 reminded us of that. If I don't know if you—I know you remember, mm-hmm. because everybody remembers mm-hmm. where they were and what they were doing. And one of the stories that I remember so vividly was how everybody was trying to get home mm-hmm. after the Twin Towers blew up. Um, there were people that we knew who were on trips, and their flights were canceled, and they couldn't get home, and there were no rental cars, and they couldn't get home. And so I think we are built for this place that we call home, and I think it's because we were built for family. We were built for those relationships because God designed us that way, because God lives in a home. God has a relationship with the Trinity, and he... he as a person, has a home, it's heaven, mm-hmm. and he's built it for us and for us to experience that with him. So I think as I started experiencing being home more, even sometimes than I wanted to be as a homebody during the quarantine time, mm-hmm. I began to understand that home is really much more important than I had thought of it. Um, so that was the reason that I started thinking through this article that I wrote for the blog on why home is important and why it needs to be a safe place. As you were discovering just what home was, what it was to everybody else, which I think it's brilliant that you said it was a recharging place. Because I know for me, Mm -hmm. up until the pandemic, I was feeling it was my recharging place. As an introvert, I would go home and I would be quiet or I'd watch TV or I'd read a book or that's the place that I would cook and I would have some friends in. But it was the place that I felt like this is the place I can breathe. This is the place that I can just be. But since the pandemic, I'm sitting here going, this is the place that I'm always am. This is the place I'm always breathing. This is the place I'm always just being. So when you take a look at safety, how do you explain safety when we look at home? How does that play into it? Well, I think we intuitively and instinctively know that home should be a safe place. I think that's why everyone wanted to get home Uh, in the aftermath of 9-11. And I think that's why, even though this was mandated for most Americans to go home because that was the best way for them to control the spread of the virus and and more outbreaks, but again, it's a statement of the value of home. It's supposed to be a safe place. And so I've just started thinking about what makes my home safe Um, How can I make it more of a safe place? What does God even want me to do so that my home is a safe place? And yes, I think it is a recharging station, but I think it's more than that. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the post that I wrote, I talked about things that I did when I was raising kids to make it safe. I Mm -hmm. wanted it to be safe for my children when they came home from school where they could talk about whatever happened about experiences with other kids, teachers, et cetera, so that they knew that they could have a place to to debrief and to be real and to um, process Mm -hmm. what they were experiencing as they were growing up. Now, let's camp on that for just a second because there are parents who are thinking, my kid doesn't trust me. Mm-hmm. How do I go about making it a safe place so that they will share what's going on and what's truly happening? How did you and Dennis do that? Well, I think we started by um, 
just verbally letting our kids know at the very beginning when they were little um, that talking about what you were feeling was okay. Uh, we talked about how they felt when they were hurt when they were little, preschoolers. We talked about um, uh, how they felt when they were happy and sad. We tried to learn to name the emotions with them so that they began to have a vocabulary for that part of who they were. And we didn't do it perfectly by any means, um, but that we, we tried to do that. We tried to enter into what they were experiencing, even as little ones. And did our kids tell us everything? No. We found it. <laughs> we found out things after they were adults, and we went, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. You know, So they're not going to tell you everything. But if they tell you some things, that's better than nothing. Yeah. You know, the quarantine and these days of COVID have mm-hmm. been hard on everyone. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend whose son is entering into the ninth grade year, and it's been so difficult on their relationship. For somebody who is basically trying to start now, maybe they hadn't have worked and developed that relationship, but who is starting to start now in the high school years, how would you coach them on being the safe person and having to rebuild that kind of relationship? Well, I think we can always start over. I mean, Mm. that's the great thing about the gospel is that Jesus always is ready to give us a new beginning. And I just was talking to my daughter yesterday or the day before, recently anyway, and she was saying, I've realized that if I, and she's our oldest who has all boys, and she said, I've realized if I ask my big boys, if I can take them to lunch and buy them something fun to eat, um, and and in exchange for a conversation, they'll, they're happy to go out to eat. <laughs> and she said, I took my 15-year-old out, or 16, the other day for lunch, and she said, I had the best conversation because he knew that was kind of part of the bargain. I was going to buy him food, mm-hmm. and she was going to ask me questions, and we were going to talk. And so, you know, it isn't going to happen in one conversation. Right. It's not going to happen overnight, But but I think moms and dads can do that. You don't quit. You just keep after it like God stays after us. You stay after your kids and um, make those opportunities happen as much as you can so that you've got those moments when you can catch a glimpse of what's going on in your child's heart and soul. Well, and I love how you say you can always start over. Mm -hmm. You can always start over. And I think that's our relationship with God many times is is that we're like, oh, Lord, forgive me for this. Please help me to start over. And that's the same way with a parent-child relationship. Great advice from Barbara Rainey about how to make home a safe place for our children. We're going to continue talking with Barbara about safe at home. Stay tuned. We have to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes. The reality of living in a blended or step family can be tough. I believe at 27, because I was divorced, that I was no longer qualified to do anything in God's name. That's why there's the Family Life Blended podcast. My husband will say, you know, there are some good parts about being a stepmom. I'm like, I know there are. It's a blessing, but it's also very hard. The Family Life Blended podcast is part of the Family Life Podcast Network, and it's hosted by Ron Deal, an expert on blended families. We're always working on our marriages because God is always using our marriage to work on us. The Family Life Blended podcast brings together real, honest conversations about the complexities facing blended families. 
We have to learn how to put on love in the midst of chaos. Parent-teacher conferences and sporting events and holidays. It was just messy. We call that around here complexity. You can find the Family Life Blended Podcast with Ron Deal wherever you get your podcasts or go to familylife.com slash podcasts. Everyone in the blended family living room traveled a different journey to get there. For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. You know, there's something about step family living that most people underestimate. In a nuclear family, everyone has the same family story. But step families are made up of people with different family stories, different histories, and DNA, and traditions, a different culture, if you will. And merging those cultures and family narratives can be difficult. So here's what you do. Communicate. You've got to talk about holiday traditions and the meaning behind them, what it's like to be the oldest child in one home and a middle child in another, and how past hurts have changed who you are. Hey, to cross the gaps in your family stories, you've got to build bridges of communication. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Talking today with Barbara Rainey, and we're discussing about being safe at home. And you know, Barbara, life has just been so different and difficult in 2020. And I can't help but think that safety means different things to different people. Can you help us unpack that? I've thought about this, especially in this era that we're living in in 2020. 2020 is so different than any of us ever thought it would be, and it has it's not over yet. And I think when we think of the word safety, I've watched my youngest daughter and her generation, because that's kind of a different generation than my oldest daughter, because they're 10 years mm-hmm. apart, and my youngest one is just now having her babies. And, and they think about life through the lens of safety in a different way than we did. Mm. Um, the car seats are so much more advanced than they were when I had car seats, and even when my oldest daughter, Ashley, had car seats. I grew up in the era where we didn't have car seats. Yeah, yes, car I know, seat. exactly. <laughs> I remember crawling from the back seat to the front seat yes. and back. <laughs> I know. And so, but this this younger generation, the, these, mm-hmm. these uh, young families in their 20s and early 30s, um, they have different, they've got baby monitors and they've got cameras everywhere and they have all these devices and all these things for safety. And it's all about physical safety. And I don't, disagree with any of it. Um, I'm really kind of glad I didn't have it because I think it would have made me worry more if I had all these contraptions and I could see everything on the camera that was happening. But nonetheless, I, I there's nothing wrong with it, but it's all about physical safety. It's all about our physical well-being. And I think safety is so much broader than that. Mm-hmm. I think it encompasses what we bring into our house emotionally, what we bring in from the world. And most of that comes in through screens. Um, It comes in through other ways as well, but I think primarily it comes in through screens. And I don't think parents have the same hypersensitivity to that danger as they do the physical dangers for their children. And it's been interesting to watch because I think – I think it may be a ploy of the enemy. I don't know. But I I just watch how 
there's just a very big difference in what they value in terms of safety. I remember when we were raising our kids, I was hypervigilant on the few screens we had, the TV screen and then the computer screen. I was just hypervigilant. Um, I was even hypervigilant about the music my kids listened to because there are messages that come in that can be dangerous messages that mm-hmm. can challenge our safety and that can make us feel insecure, threatened, all kinds of things. Um, and we need to guard against those as much as we guard against physical harm that our, our families might run into. I was talking with a young mom not so long ago, and she went through a basically a screen fast mm-hmm. and shut off all her social media sites on her phone, actually took them off so that it would force her to go to her computer. And she said that was much more difficult because she had an infant in the home. The baby's nine months. And so she's running after this child everywhere. So she was like, it was harder to do that, to get on the computer and make that kind of time. And she said that what it did for her is what just helped her relax in in a way that she hadn't felt before because she grew up, she's in her mid-20s and she grew up with all these screens. So she didn't realize just the calm that she was feeling. Even though she felt like I'm missing out on something, there was a calm in her spirit. Uh Yeah. And I don't think even those of us who don't have kids realize how controlling uh, the devices are that we have attached to our bodies. I mean, they're in our pockets, they're in our purses, they're they're with us all the time. And um, and it's not just the danger of bad things like pornography. It's just the distraction, the constant distraction, the constant taking our eyes and our heart and our thoughts away from what's around us and onto this little tiny space. And I think it's I think we're not enjoying creation. We're not enjoying quiet. We're not enjoying a lot of things that previous generations were surrounded previous generations were surrounded by these things and we are too because we live in the same world but we're not taking advantage of God's good creation mm-hmm. as much because we're so attached to these devices and so i i see that as a safety issue mm-hmm. because i think we're not protecting our souls we're not protecting that sanctuary within where god dwells we're not protecting the our emotional health our spiritual health i think we're pretty good about our physical health for the most part most of us are um, and we've been made so aware of that because of the pandemic but there are so many other levels of health and well-being that we need to protect and keep safe that we take for granted, I think. How do we go about keeping this sanctuary where God dwells in our hearts? How do we keep that safe, especially as we're talking about screens? Mm-hmm. What are some ways that we can we can do that? Well, I, I don't have a list. I wish I did. <clears throat> but I, I think the main thing is just to pay attention to your heart and pay attention to your soul. And pay attention to what feeds you and what doesn't feed you, what doesn't bring safety, what doesn't bring hope and life. And, you know, we're all so different. In my relationship with Dennis, I'm realizing that we are two radically 
different people. <laughs> and it's just another illustration of how radically different men and women are because he can he can watch something on TV and because, you know, men have these compartments, he can stick it in a compartment and close the door and go to bed and be asleep in 60 seconds or less. <laughs> and I can see the same thing. And it may not be difficult. It may not be terrible. I mean, we don't watch terrible stuff, mm-hmm. right? But I can see or hear the same thing, and I can't put it in a room and close the door. And so I'll be awake for two hours. And so then the next day, I've, I'm starting at a deficit. And I know all this about me. I've known all this about me for years. It's part of the reason we quit going to movies for years when we were raising our kids. Because if we'd go out for dinner and then go to a movie that ended at 10 or 10.30 at night and come home, I was a wreck the next day. Because I I just, I engage emotionally with things Mm -hmm. in a way that he doesn't. And so we quit going to movies for years. We just didn't go. Um, And I'd missed it, but I just knew that it wasn't what I needed because I was I was just parenting full time. And I needed to be whole and healthy and strong and not distracted by some story that wasn't even real. Um and so here we are in this season of our life where I don't have that I don't have kids waking me up in the morning at six thirty and I need to be ready to go. But I still want to live my life unencumbered. I still mm-hmm. want to live my life um, not distracted, not uh, bogged down by things that are not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And so even even now in this season of life, I'm still trying to figure out that that balance, that right blend of of partaking and understanding what's happening in the world without it sabotaging my well-being. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's an ongoing, process. It's it's the analogy I've used for for decades. It's riding a bike. And you're never perfectly balanced when you're riding a bike. You're shifting constantly. You're shifting your weight from one side to the other to maintain that equilibrium. And you're crossing between it. You're going back and forth. And so, you know, I, I see that as, uh, as something that I'm trying to do in my life, too. I'm trying to figure out what can I absorb? What can I hear? What can I read? What is good for me and what's not? And how do I, how do I keep that steady rhythm so that I can pay attention to my soul and I can pay attention to what God wants to do in my heart and I'm not being distracted by things that are not good for me, that are not healthy for me, even if my husband can absorb things that I can't. Um, and it's figuring out how, how to live together in a way that is good for him and is good for me. So I don't have a list. I wish I did. <laughs> no, but what I think what you were sharing is such a good thing because we live in a day and time where we want to do everything. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. you're saying is I loved movies, but I had to take that out of my life so that I could be the best person that I am. And mm-hmm. it's just I have a friend who's on a keto diet. She loves certain foods. But she's the best person that she can be for her family right, exactly. when she's on this specific diet. Yep, I understand and, that too. And, and yeah. so that's what you're saying. Even though you don't have the list, you're saying, I need to be the best person that God has asked me to be. Yeah. 
So there are going to be some things that I have to take out in order to be that person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and the diet illustration is a great one because I had to do the same thing because of my allergies. Mm. I mean, when I was probably in my 40s, I finally decided I was tired of sneezing and having headaches <laughs> and all of that all the time. And I thought, you know, I don't care anymore that I'm not going to enjoy certain things. It's worth it to me to feel good. It's worth it to me to be all present and to not be distracted by a sinus headache or sneezing all day long because mm-hmm. of the season that it is. And so I I altered my diet and I took out things. And it was a process of learning what bothered me, what didn't. But it's the same as your friend. I think it's being wise about who we are in this broken world, what we can tolerate, what we can't tolerate. It doesn't mean it's good or it's bad. It's right or it's wrong. It's the way God made me. And I have battled allergies since I was four. And it's an ongoing balancing again. It's Mm -hmm. riding the bike for me. It's riding the bike of allergies. What can I have? What can't I have? How do I figure this thing out so that I can be fully present as God designed me to be and not sidelined because I'm doing things that are not healthy for me. So safety is a lot broader than just our physical safety. It's it's our emotional safety and well-being. It's my my physical well-being because of what I know is true about me with my allergies and how I have to how I have to juggle that and on and on. So it's it's a much broader issue mm-hmm. than um than I think I thought of when I first started thinking about this. Um and I think it's very unique and individual. Which is what I love about God. I I mean, I love a lot of things, but I love that he deals with us individually and everyone is unique and he wants us to be unique. And and I think it, it helps me know that I can go to him with all of these things and he knows all about the way I'm made. He knows everything I'm allergic to. He knows what all these things do to me and don't do to me. And he's, he's there waiting and saying, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. I can help you with that. I'll show you what to avoid. And, you know, I, I want to do what everybody else does. We all want to do what everybody we else do. does. <laughs> but I'm learning it just doesn't pay. And so, okay, I'll I'll go with the way you've made me, God. I'd rather do that. Barbara Rainey with some great advice. Some advice that I think that we all need to remember, especially as we're walking through the stress of what is happening in our world right now. Even the safety of our home, we need to take our eyes off ourselves and put them where they need to be. And that is remembering who God is and knowing that he knows us so well that he's got this. He's got this. We are in his hands. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that I'd been reading Barbara's blog. Well, we have a link to that blog on our website. Go to familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. And I hope you are as encouraged as I was by reading some of her articles. Hey, this was such a great conversation on what safety means and what home means. I asked Barbara to stick around because we need to talk again next week about this and unpack some more. We need to understand what it means to anchor our house on the rock. That is 
the pure safety, isn't it? And also, we dream a little about what our ultimate home in heaven might look like. So I want you to join us for that. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. Big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producer, Marcus Holt. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer. And Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.